I'm Harlan Landis. Today on Adulting, Miranda Marquette and I speak about setting your priorities for your spending and for your life. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan, and I'm here with Miranda. Hi. Hi. So today's topic is spending. Uh, start a foursome with your priorities, values, and money, uh, with you being the fourth in the foursome. Let's talk a little bit about some of the ridiculous spending um, that we've seen. Um, you saw something recently. Yeah. So uh, normally I'm not one to judge because we all have our own spending issues, but I did. I recently saw something. I get the Reader's Digest. Thanks, mom and dad. They they pay like for Christmas every year. I get a subscription. And so while I was sitting there reading uh, on the toilet, reading this, um, I found something interesting. It, things just this whole this this story about different crazy things. And so some of my favorite ones was uh, the starting bid for a, bio, a pile of bird poop on eBay was $500. Wow. And he's, yeah. So what's so <laughs> now, special he, about this bird poop, really? Right. Well, so he says he found it on his car windshield, car windshield and it looks like Michael Jackson. So he auctioned it off. And someone bought this is what you're saying. No, the good news is no. (laughs) The good news is, whew. But what somebody did buy was a $1.9 million portrait of the late actress B. Arthur Topless. Wow. Well, did did she actually pose for this? One hopes so. One hopes. (laughs) Or was it someone's creative imagination? I, I I have to wonder, that's all. Yeah, that is that is something that you do wonder. And then the other one of my favorite ones was there was a one hundred and sixty thousand dollar diamond that a UPS worker stole while unloading the airplane. But they took this diamond. So they stole this diamond and then they went and traded it for marijuana. But the amount of marijuana was only worth 20 bucks. So poor decisions all around. You know, it's possible that the UPS worker did not know the value of what he had. (laughs) Man, 20 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 pretty sad. I mean, we always say that spending reveals our values, how we spend our money, how we spend our time. That tells us exactly what's important to us. And I think that does. I mean, that might not be the case for you know what? I think it might be the case still. Um, even for those things that you've, even someone buying uh, a topless portrait of B. Arthur for $1.9 million, that must be some kind of priority to whoever, whoever, whoever buys this. Yeah, they could be an art lover. It's fine. Or a B. Arthur lover. Or a B. Arthur lover. That's, that's quite possible. Uh, I was, I was certainly a fan of the Golden Girls, so. Uh, my parents wouldn't, my mom wouldn't let me watch it. It was way too risque. <laughs> you know, you can still watch it now if you ever want to see I know, what you I, missed. The power of streaming, but 
It's, there are that's so many the thing other about things. being an adult is you can you can choose to watch whatever you want without your parents getting upset. <laughs> it's true. But you, but like you were saying, I mean, do I really do I care enough about watching the Golden Girls and seeing what I missed out on to maybe skip watching something else? I suppose if you're if you're going if you're going to weigh it like that, then yeah, and they're they're probably better things worth your time. It was a good show. I'll just say that. So, I, but I think that that goes back to the way we spend our money too. Is well, when we spend money on something, is that something that we truly value, and I, and and does it show? And you said spending. Personally, I think you know if you spend without thinking, a lot of the time you end up with something that you don't necessarily value. I. Uh, spent years not thinking about, I mean, just randomly buying stuff without really thinking about it. And suddenly one day I looked around and said, I don't like any of this stuff. Right. And I could have gone on a trip to Europe with the amount of money I spent on this, a nice luxurious trip to Europe with the amount of money I spent on this stuff. So really a lot of the time when we do spend without thinking, we end up getting stuff we don't like. Well, there are two things there. Um, it's possible you liked them at the time and didn't realize that years down the road you could be looking back and regretting that. Or, you know, if you weren't thinking and, you know, it's it, when it comes to impulse spending, you, it may not be the thing that you like. You're not buying a thing that you like, but the act of having this desire and then satisfying that desire right away is something that you prioritize. It, maybe it's not the thing that's the object that's being purchased, but it's this desire to satisfy this this need that kind of comes up out of nowhere possibly and is, and is overpowering. And that's that says something about your priorities. Um, you know, it may not be the whatever the object is, but it's the getting this feeling resolved. Yeah, and that that makes sense too. I mean, what is that that feeling, that retail therapy feeling, or that rush you might feel when you buy something new? Maybe that emotional jolt is what really matters to you, not so much what you're actually spending that money on. But and to a certain degree, once you get there, is then you start have to ask you have to start asking yourself, how important is that to me, and do I really value that over all of the other things I could be doing with my money? Right. I think, you know, part of having an adult relationship with your money is being able to, we talked about um, empathy in the last episode. I think, you know, kind of picturing yourself in this, instead of picturing other people in their situations, you also have to picture yourself in your future situation and get a good idea of what could possibly going through your mind. And this, this is probably even harder to do than imagining yourself in someone else's situation because the future is so nebulous. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to be feeling. All you know is based on how you've lived your life so far. And, you know, if, if I tried to predict where I am today five years ago, I would never have thought of this. I never thought I'd be living in this particular situation. And if I go back even further, I would have thought my life would have been completely different. I would have been on a completely different path um, at a different point in my life. But I think the key to making some successful choices now is really trying to imagine what things are going to be looking like as you look back on your life, as you look back on today, uh, how, how are you going to feel about 
the decision that you're considering making right now. So it all comes down to kind of stopping yourself and waiting and giving yourself a chance to think before you make any kind of spending decision. But there's a whole lot of stuff that we got to do even before we get to that point. Um, you know, when it comes to figuring out what matters, right? Oh, for sure. Well, I think one of the biggest things is you're trying to figure out what matters and what you want to spend your money on and what you want to do with your money. Cause it's not really just about spending money and what you buy. Part of it is figuring out what, what do you want your money to do for you? What is the ultimate goal here? What is your final end goal? Trying to get your money to work for you. And, and I always view my money as a, as a resource. I look at it as a resource that I can use to enable me to either get something I want or live a lifestyle I want or prepare for a future that I want. So I, I kind of look at money as something that's that empowers me to do what I would like to do rather than as a means to an end itself or as a way to buy a bunch of stuff. And if, hey, but if you want to buy a bunch of stuff, that's totally cool. But you need to figure out that that's what you want to do. And I think starting to start that out, you have to say, well, why are you spending this money and why are you buying that thing? I mean, we're always talking about keeping up with the Joneses. Are you actually keeping with the, up with the Joneses or are you keeping up with their debt? And while you're keeping up with the Joneses, do you even care about what they have? I mean, are you buying it to impress them? Do you really care? What you're saying about uh, about this is something I hear, I've heard over the years very often. It's you know, I've asked people what their goals are. They say, "Well, I I want to retire with, you know, let's say two million dollars or five million dollars or ten million dollars." And then the question from there is. But why? Right. What are you going to do and why do you need that money? What's, what's it going to be for? And then they haven't really given, given it more thought in terms of, you know, they'll say, well, that's, that's the amount of money I need to live for the rest of my life. But why? What, what are you going to be doing? I mean, what do you, what, what do you want to live your life? What, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to spend you know, the several decades that you may have left in, in your life? What do you want to be doing? What's what's going to be important to you later on? What's important to you now? Uh, what do you want to do? How, what kind of impact do you want to have? Uh, what kind of family do you want to have? What's it going to take to support them? You know, that's that's when you start getting into these questions of you, you know, it shouldn't be the money leading the discussion. The money should be just you know this this is what you need in order to live the life that you want. Now let's figure out if you can get there. Right. Um, you know, just just saying your goal is to retire with you know, a million dollars is, is meaningless because it doesn't tell you anything about what you want to do with your life. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's why so often I say, you know, money is a means to an end. It's not the end itself. So it's like, okay, so I want to retire with $2 million. Well, that's saying the money is your end goal, but really the money has to be the means to the end. So what is, what do you really want to do? And for some people, money is keeping score and that's, you know, whatever (laughs) that's, that's what floats your boat. That's fine. Money is keeping score. Uh, the bigger pile of money I have, I win. I don't know, whatever. But uh, for me, like you said, it's it's got to be, well, what is my end goal? What do I want to do with that? And, and what sort of legacy do I want to leave? It comes down to, well, what matters to you? And part of the problem that we have, I think a lot of the time, is we look around and see what other people have and we think, oh, well, we're supposed to buy that. I mean, if you, if you walk down my street and we're like, oh, well, if, if I'm going to base my spending on what I'm supposed to have, right, I'm, I'm supposed to have two TVs at least, and one of them should probably be in my bedroom, 
but what, <laughs> and I said, it should probably be 50 inches big, but <laughs> no, I've got one TV in my house and the thing is almost 10 years old and it's 32 inches uh, because I don't care. I don't need something big, but you're supposed to have it. There's a whole list of things you're supposed to do. You're supposed to buy a house, right? When you get to a certain age or a certain point in your life, you're supposed to buy a house. You're supposed to spend uh, the national average for a wedding is like twenty eight to thirty thousand dollars, twenty eight thousand to thirty eight thousand dollars. You're supposed to spend that much on this laundry list of things you're supposed to have for the day. There's just a whole list of things that we do because we're supposed to do them without stopping and thinking about, well, am I following somebody else's script? Am I using my money to follow somebody else's script for my life? Or have I stopped and thought about why am I doing this and what is my own personal script for my own life? Yeah, I th- well, I think a lot of times we don't have an answer to that. And so we start at a baseline to try to figure it out. And that baseline is whatever environment that we've grown up in. We're, we're, we're very social creatures, this, this race of humans that we are all a part of. And uh, we define our lives by what's by our environment. Um, and so it's really hard to, you know, say you're on an island and you've had no contact Ooh. with anybody outside of this island and you've grown up in this community and everyone in this community happens to own a piece of land. Um, you know, every adult in that community, you would feel that you are not a part of the community unless you too own a piece of land. Um, I think now, because we've done such a good job of uh, sharing examples of various ways to live your life, that it's much more acceptable to kind of go outside what your your small community that you met you maybe you grew up in this community or maybe all of your friends all do something i think now it's a lot easier to see that there are other ways to uh to live uh, it can be really hard when you feel that everybody is doing something um you know our we, we talked about this in the last episode about you know understanding societal norms uh, so that you can fit in. Um, it, it's a very powerful pressure um, if, if you believe that the only way to live your life is to spend money on a house of a certain type in a certain neighborhood. You know, you're not going to just tell somebody that they can, oh, you don't have to do that. It's, you know, it's may not be part of your script, but it's still this very powerful force of pressure that keeps you from going outside what you see everyone else doing. But it's, it's possible. I mean, there's, we're sharing more information. There's more ways to live your life. And the more we can do that and we more, we can show that there are other options out there, the easier it'll be for people who don't feel totally comfortable with that. Right. And and I think part of this whole navigating adulthood is, is, trying to strike that balance between, well, what we talked about before, we do have to interact with people, but part of interacting with people is understanding that they can make their own choices and letting them make their own choices and knowing that they don't necessarily have to be wrong because they made a different choice than you. And you don't have to be wrong because you're making a different choice than what Mm. they've made. My next door neighbors, they have a very nice camp trailer. There are some days that I'm a little jealous of that camp trailer because (laughs) I like camping. I like to do go outside. But at the same time, I think about, well, I'd have to make sure that I have all of the water tanks proper. I'd have to make sure I empty them right. I have to worry about power. There's a whole list. I'd have to buy a bigger car. I'd have to buy a truck to be able to haul this 
tent trailer, this camp trailer around. So there's a lot of things that I would have to do. And those aren't my personal priorities. Do I think that it's wrong for the, my next door neighbors to have this camp trailer? No. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out and do the same thing because my priorities are in a different place. Yes, I go camping, but I'm perfectly happy camping in my tent with my cot and my nice sleeping bag. And, and those are the things, that's what I've chosen to spend because I want to spend my money on something else. I don't want to have to spend money on the bigger car that, gas, that guzzles the gas. And that's just not my priority and that's not where I want to spend my money. But I can still respect my neighbors for the decision that they're making. So how did you decide on what your priorities were going to be? Uh, well, it goes back to what you were saying before. It's all about thinking about what legacy do you want? What do you want your life to reflect? So deciding on my priorities makes me go back to my values. What do I value? Well, I, I like the idea of helping other people. So giving to charity is important to me. I want my son to grow up to be a well-rounded and empathetic human being. And so I think it's important for him to be able to have opportunities to participate in music, to participate in academic, uh, and, and to find ways to explore his own talents so that he can feel fulfilled as a person growing up. And then uh, I also think it's, I, I want to travel. I enjoy traveling. I go, like going to new places and seeing new things. And so these are priorities for me. And so, and these are values that I uh, subscribe to. And so they're the things that inform my priorities. So when I'm setting forth my plans and my, what I want to do with my money, I say, well, is this going to help me reach any of my goals? I'm, you know, I, before I spend money on other things, I'm like, well, I want to make sure I'm giving to charity. I want to make sure I have enough for my son's music lessons and fencing lessons. And I want to make sure that I've got enough money for our travel fund. And of course, you know, necessities of life, whatever. I mean, obviously I had to pay for food. So how did you decide on those values though? I mean, did you always know that those things were important or how did you realize that they were important to you? So part of it was, yeah, vaguely in the back of my mind, I've always been interested in helping others and social justice and that kind of thing. And I've always liked new experiences. And so part of it was, yes, part of it was in the back of my mind, I knew I liked these things. But part of it, too, was the process of sitting down and thinking about what I wanted my life to mean and what I wanted my life to look like. You know, did I want... Uh, to have a house full of things? Uh, did I want to have a big screen TV or did I want to take that money and maybe go away for the weekend? So I took a step back and said, well, let me think about what I want my life to look like and then start make my dis- making my spending decisions based on what I want my life to actually look like. So that's interesting. I mean, I think my values came from several different places uh, when I when I when I look at them. You know, I see that um, education is very important to me. Um, all types of education. That is something that I think came to me from my parents, who continually encouraged me to educate myself in various ways and helped me along that path, inside and outside of school. Um, and uh, I really was passionate about learning new things. My parents also gave me music lessons when I was very young, and that instilled in me uh, a big sense of importance of the arts uh, that continues to this day um, and will always be important to me. 
However, something that is also important to me is something like financial literacy and spreading good financial behavior, um, you know, through, you know, this, this is what inspired consumerism commentary and other projects that I've worked on. That didn't come to me from my parents necessarily. That came to me through my own experiences and realizing that, you know, this, this was something that was important and not just for me, but, you know, for, for the world as well. Uh, so it's interesting how values come about. Sometimes it can be something external, something it can be, sometimes it can be something internal and you may not be aware of all your values that you end up having at any one point in your life. Certainly 15 years ago, I would have thought that, you know, my values, you know, would involve, uh, music and education, today, uh, my values are much more varied. And so finding a way to uh, have my spending match my priorities, and my priorities match my values is, uh, it's, it's kind of difficult because I do have a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. And, um, you know, also important to me are my personal relationships, my family, my, uh, you know, my romantic relationships. These are all important to me as well. And I've got to find a way to prioritize you know, prioritize everything really. And that's, that's where some of the difficulty is when you, when you do realize that you have so many values um, and they are varied and they are important, you know, finding the priority and making some difficult choices is something you have to do. Yeah. And I think you make a good point that sometimes how you grew up doesn't influence your values. I did grow up in a family that once again, they valued education as well. And my family also valued music. We all had to learn, you know, the piano. We were encouraged to do other musical things. We were encouraged to do physical activities as well, like sporting, you know, pick a sport. So there are a lot of things that influenced me growing up. And, but, you know, part of it too, uh, part of uh, the, I guess the downside was there were also a lot of script type things that were given to me as I was growing up and things that I didn't really see as, you know, working with my own personality or working with who I am. And I tried to follow the script and it didn't, it didn't go very well (laughs) because it wasn't something that I really felt and that uh, really resonated with me like maybe it did with other people in the community. So I think you have to find that balance. You have to say, well, here are these values from my childhood that I really uh, that really resonate with me and that really work well for me. But at the same time, you have to be able to look at it and say, does this really work for me in my life on a practical level? Sure. I mean, I guess from my approach, I did have kind of uh, a lot of freedom when I was growing up to explore and try things and and see what types of activities worked for me. I mean, you know, I was taking music lessons. I was also, you know, participating in sports I never had, you know, the kind of great experience that, say, my brother had with sports. You know, that just wasn't right for me, and I wasn't forced into it, and I wasn't pressured into fitting against some kind of some kind of script that my parents might have had for me or that my community all lived by. Um, I was given a lot of leeway to to determine what it was that was interesting to me. And of course that didn't necessarily lead to all the best decisions in my life. Um, you know, maybe there, there's, there's certainly an argument for 
for growing up with a little more guidance than what I had in terms of, you know, making life choices and such. Um, you know, I still, I still did a pretty good job, but there are, are lots of things that I could have done better when I was younger. Um, and I'm not blaming my parents for that. Um, I'm just saying that th- th- there's a case for giving some kind of, um, uh, some kind of script um, to to a certain point when you're younger, so you know exactly what you're going to do. But it's it's I think the problem is now is that there there is no script as we're adults, and if you've grown up trying to live by a certain script, um, you're going to find that you're kind of uh, struggling or you're floundering or you just don't know exactly what's going on. Um, and you can't make decisions for yourself. Yeah. So I, I think that balance, especially with how you use your money, is, is really important because you do need to be able to find your own way and find that balance between, well, here here are the values, here are the, uh, here are the money habits that I've learned that make sense. But here are some of the things that maybe aren't my own priorities. And finding that balance can be difficult, but it is necessary. So let's talk about a few things that people can do right now to um, to to move in this direction where you know what your values are, you have your priorities, and your spending matches those priorities. I think you know following this path to its conclusion is is the way we need to uh, you know it's it's the way to have a more fulfilling experience, and uh, you know it also help us in the long run to make sure that we're not spending frivolously and we're saving money and we can afford to do more things later. So the first the first step we talked about is determining your values. Uh, one way to do this. And this is a fairly typical, um, fairly typical exercise, but I suggest that everybody does it anyway. Is to write your New York Times obituary. Actually, write it out. What you know, what you think the New York Times should say about you um, after you have um, passed away. If if you give it, if you give it the thought that it needs to get, and if you perhaps look at some other uh, New York Times obituaries, for examples, um, you'll kind of see that you can set your goals pretty high. Um, and this, this is the chance for you to do that. So let's put down on paper what it is that you want your life to be by, by writing out your New York Times obituary. Yeah, I, I like that idea of, of going through and saying, what do I want to accomplish in life? Uh, because that's where you start. That's where you say, okay, so now that I know what I want to accomplish, how do I use my financial resources to get there? Because it's nice to say, oh, we don't need money. You can live a good life without money. Yes, you can live a good life without a lot of money, but the bottom line is the way we have society now, if you want to buy food, if you want to have shelter, if you want to do the things you want to do, to some degree you have to have some money. So I like this idea of saying, well, let's write my obituary. Now that I know what I want to do, how can I use my money to help me do that? Yeah, and it's just working backwards from there. Um, you know, it's just a logical progression, just in the opposite direction. So you you have your you have your final result, let's say, uh, of your obituary. And for a lot of people, their obituary won't be their final result because they'll leave a legacy that lives on in some form after they're gone. Um, that should be what you're aiming for in some way. And I don't necessarily mean a financial legacy. I just mean leaving your mark. And it could be on your family, of course, and it could be on you know a uh, community. It could be it could be on anything really, um, just as long as you're leaving your mark on something. And then you figure out what you need financially in order to get there. 
you know, based on your obituary, you pick out the, the, the things that are going to be your values, um, things that are important to you, whether it's music education or having, uh, you know, having grandchildren who are, you know, fully capable adults, uh, whatever, whatever it is, you know, that, that you want to value. And it could be many, many things you actually list them out. So you have your obituary and then you have your list of values and then you figure out what you need to get there financially. And then you can lay your priorities on another level, um, and figure out, well, you know, in order to do this, I'm going to need to, uh, you know, if I want to start a foundation, I probably need, let's say, a million dollars. So I need to save my money and I need to invest in order to get there. Um, you know, that's how you break this down from your obituary all the way to your your spending goals, um, you know, and your, your spending habits. So you're saying if I need to invest, you know, $5,000 a month in order to get there, if that happens to be the case, you need to make sure that you are earning enough to do that and you make sure that you're not spending on frivolous things so that you can you can put that money aside and, and uh, achieve that goal. Exactly. And I think that that's one of the big, the big things is to stop looking at money as this a sort of accomplishment itself, but saying, how will it help me do the things I want to do and seeing it as a tool or a resource. Sure. And, and maybe your goal isn't to have a foundation. Maybe your goal is to travel the world. Um, and you know, there are lots of ways to do that. You can certainly travel the world on a budget, uh, but whether you want to do it on a budget or if you want to go all out, either way, you have to set up what your expectations are in terms of the money and then make sure your priorities line up uh, so that you can you can hit that at the time that you want to hit it. Yeah, exactly. So every week we try to answer at least one question from a listener, and we did reach out. And uh, the question we have today is: How do you compromise on your values and spending interests with others? I take it to mean that maybe you know within a relationship, not everybody is always on the same page in terms of values and spending habits. So this is a tough one because especially if your values do have a hard time meshing. I know that with my ex-husband, he at one point valued things far more than experiences. So he enjoyed having things around him. He felt like he could enjoy them over and over again, where I preferred experiences. I would rather go on a trip or go out for a nice meal. And he saw that as consumable. It happens once and then it's over. And so he got more value out of having things that he could own. And I got more value out of having an experience that I could just go back to and, and enjoy as a memory. So so our compromise uh, when we were first together and married was we kind of had to learn how to let the other person enjoy enjoy their things and, or their experiences. We had to learn how to respect the other person's choices because a lot of the time it was like, no, that's a stupid thing to spend money on. So the first thing you have to do is get out of the habit of saying, if you don't spend the money with the way I do, then you're stupid. And a lot of the time we think that. A lot of the time we think, uh, the only smart way to spend money is the way I'm spending money. And that's not the case. We all have different preferences. And so the first thing you need to do when you're getting ready to compromise is acknowledge what the other person wants to spend their money on and what's important to the other person and go from there. 
Then the next thing is to find the things that you both agree on. So my ex and I actually agreed on, well, we want to make sure we're spending for, we're saving for retirement and we want to make sure we're giving to charity. So these were things that we could go to and have common ground and spend on together. And so that helped. And then the other thing you have to do is just make sure that each person gets to spend on what they want to spend. So this might be in some relationships. I know it works really well for each person to have an allowance. So everybody gets like a couple hundred bucks a month to spend on whatever they want. So in uh, my case, it would have been, I would save that money up to go on a trip. I would take each two, each month, I'd take that $200 and I'd put it in an account and I'd save up to go on a trip. Uh, my husband would spend it on whatever action figure he wanted to buy. And that's, and that's fine. <laughs> Just being able to say, well, you each get, and even, and if you're, if you're really poor, you're like, well, maybe we each just get 50 bucks to spend on what we want to spend on. And that's just the way it is for now. Um, <clears throat> what ended up happening later as we started having more money and the means to spend more money, it just got to the point where uh, we made enough money as a couple that we could just buy what we wanted or spend the money on what we wanted. And it just didn't matter anymore. And we just <laughs> sort of, it was a big pot and we just sort of spent on whatever we wanted to spend on. And so, and that was part of the solution was we just made more money and not everybody can just go make more money, of course, but, um, but that was part of the solution. So you really do have to sit down, but there has to be that respect and you have to sit down and acknowledge that, just because somebody doesn't have the same exact spending priorities as you doesn't mean they're wrong. And then you also have to say, well, what things do we have in common? And let's go ahead and make a plan for those. And then you have to sit down and say, all right, well, then we each need to have money that we can spend on whatever we want. And it's difficult and it's not always fun. And, and sometimes it's enough to end the relationship. So who knows? But you do need to have that respect, I think. It starts with that respect. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great answer. That's pretty comprehensive, too. I don't think I have anything to add to it. It's, it's all about relationships. And we talked a lot about you know, dealing with people in the previous episode. I think a lot of that comes into play here. Uh, compromising is a big part of that. And finding common ground where you can and giving space where you need to. I think uh, you know, that's, that's really important. Uh, that's it for today on adulting. Uh, be sure to join us next week and check out our site for now for, uh, for links to resources that we talked about today and uh, provide any feedback you'd like. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. 